morning. If you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Acts, chapter 10. As we go through the entirety of the Bible, you know, one of the things that's so important, because we learn the precepts from God line upon line, and that's how uh, we're to study the Bible, according to Isaiah. Jesus said, we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, so we want to know, then, what does God say about how we should live each day. So that's why we go through the Bible and do this. This coming Saturday, of course, as we already were told, we have the festive alternative. Uh, you know, a lot of kids are out running around wanting candy and you know, they come here so we can tell them about the Lord. And I just want to invite all of you to be a part of that. Uh, there's a sign-up sheet uh, right there in the foyer, right when you walk through the, the door out of here. And then we're going to have a little meeting about what we're going to be doing. So I'd just like to invite everybody to come. It's a great opportunity. You say, well, I, 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 I don't talk to people well. This is good practice for you. You will learn, you know, and, uh, you know, sometimes just to look at somebody and tell them, hey, Jesus loves you, changes their whole life. And so uh, that's why we do this. And I want to just encourage you to come. We've got a lot of a lot of different uh, food trucks coming. We got the mini donuts and it's it's quite a if you've never been here before on one of these, it's quite a party. Uh, but we do that to reach out to the community, first of all, and primarily let them know that Jesus loves them. And so just want to encourage you to be a part of that. And again, there'll be a meeting uh, in the fellowship hall uh, uh, right after we're eating donuts or whatever. So you're all invited to stay and come. So anyway, Acts, excuse me, Acts chapter 10, and uh, let's pray. Father, as we go to your word this morning, we thank you for your word because we know what you say to us is true. And in a world that there is not much truth anymore, thank you for always telling us straight. And so as we spend this time in study of your word, may you speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. We find that Acts chapter 1, verse 8, go preach the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And the last few chapters we've looked at was them doing that very thing. But now, as we go to chapter 10, we're getting to the uttermost parts of the world. Now, you have to remember that in those days, the polarization between the Jews and the Gentiles was extreme. And because of that, the Jews and the Gentiles didn't really have much to do with each other. And that was even brought out by the woman at the well where she says, how is it that you, Jesus, a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, we don't talk to one another. Now, it doesn't matter whether you were in the days of Jesus or as we're reading today, or no matter what it is, you're always going to find prejudice that goes on. And we don't want to look at anybody from the color of their skin to any other thing, but we want to look at them as Jesus would look at them. For this person, Christ died. And I believe that once again, if we can always remember that, that will keep us from getting too angry at sometimes things that people do. Uh, and so as we look at this today, you'll see there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion 
of what was called the Italian Regiment. Now, if you have an old King James, it'll say the Italian Band, and that's not talking about, you know, guitars. and It's talking about the Italian group. And there were several of these regiments scattered out throughout the Roman uh, Roman Empire. And they were like bulwarks. They were a place where where there was security, there was safety. It was a like an army depot, if you will. And you find a guy named Cornelius who was a Gentile. And not only was he a Gentile, which would cause immediate prejudice, but he was also a, a, a Roman a soldier, which also caused it as well. But you know what? God bridges gaps and God fills in those things in our life that we'll never be able to fill in ourselves. And so we find this guy who loved God. And notice it says here, he was a devout man, one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. This guy loved God. He didn't maybe know all about the things, but you know, when I read this, I find something really amazing. The Bible says, when you seek me, you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. I believe this is what Cornelius was doing. He wasn't seeking after religion because, of course, being a centurion, being a Roman, was exposed to the gods of Mercury, Zeus, Hermes, Jupiter, and all the other gods, the pantheistic ideas, that more of one god to worship. But Cornelius, I believe, began to really understand that there was only one God. And as he continued to seek God, God saw that and God responded to him. Now, notice he says it was about the ninth hour of the day. He saw clearly in a vision, an angel of God coming and saying to him, Cornelius, by the way, God knows your name. God knows my name. And I think that's really neat because sometimes when we talk to God, we act like God doesn't know what's going on in our life. And he very much does. I think a lot of times people think, well, you know, God, let me tell you what's going on in my life right now. God already knows. I found that if I'm just quiet sometimes and say, Lord, you already know what's going on. Tell me what you want me to do. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. I think that's really a truth because as we're still, I believe God begins to speak to us, not audibly with our little eardrums vibrating, but really through our spirit that we begin to hear God. And so, and by the way, there's a, a lot of things like that in the world. You know, you, you know, you say, well, I think I'm in love. Oh, really? Uh, well, how do you know? Well, I just, I just know. Well, how'd you know that? Was there a voice that said, you are in love? No, yeah, you didn't do that. You just knew inside. There was a voice inside of you that said, hey, I never want to be away from this person. Well, I really believe that that's the same way God contacts us and communicates with us as well. So it says about the ninth hour of the day, uh, the Lord gave him a vision and he saw, um, uh, this whole thing beginning to unfold. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And so he said to him, your prayers and your arms have come up as a memorial before God. Now, send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. And he is lodging at Simon the Tanner, 
whose house is by the sea, and he will tell you what you must do. It's interesting, the explicit direction that Cornelius received from God of what to do. Sends him, go get Simon Peter. Now, again, he's staying with Simon the Tanner. Now, you got to remember, again, people steeped in their religion, people steeped in their culture. God's a, a, a breaker of that and gets us out of our rut. Remember, again, a tanner was somebody that dealt with leather. And leather comes from dead animals. And if you were dealing with dead animals, you would be considered unclean according to Levitical law. Yet Peter was staying with Simon the Tanner. By the way, it says he was by the sea, probably because he wasn't welcome in town. You see, when you dealt with dead things, no one wanted to have anything to do with you. And so, because of that, Simon the Tanner was on the outskirts. Uh, Simon Peter was then living with the Tanner. And now God is sending Gentiles to Peter Everything in his world that he knew about the pure Jewish race now is completely getting shredded because now God has not only got him living with a person ceremonially, according to Leviticus, is unclean, but now he's going to be associating with those nasty, rotten Gentiles. Wow. You start to think about that, how God takes us out of our rut and expands our horizons. Remember the old saying, Jesus loves me just as I am, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. And I really believe that as you follow Christ, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And every day with Jesus is different than the day before. God does not leave us in a rut you know, a lot of people find their life in a rut. They are scared to step out in faith. I always look at opportunities to do that, whether it be a festive alternative next Saturday, where I step out of my rut of what I normally do on a weekend or on a Saturday and do something different, or whether it's just being motivated to walk up and talk to somebody in a store that perhaps has got tears running down their cheek. I've seen this a lot of times. And you walk up to that person and you say, do you mind if I pray for you? And please, and they begin to share what's going on in their life. Friends, we live in a broken world. And the more you're around people, the more you see how broken they are. And I believe in that brokenness motivates us to not just say, well, sucks to be you. No, when we see him, we go, God's empathy for you. I want to help you. I want to show you the direction to get out of the rut that you're in. Because see, the problem is people are trapped and they don't know how to get out of their trap. This is why I believe they drink. This is why I believe we get loaded in stone. The reason why is because you're not happy with who you are. You've got to alter yourself to cope with yourself so you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, well, I think I can make it another day. But God doesn't want you to just make a a, a day-to-day existence. But what he does is he takes and he changes ordinary daily life into something extraordinary. And that's what takes us out of the rut. Again, God doesn't want you to just be saved to set. We're saved to be active in the body of Christ. But we need to know what to do. Now, got to remember, as I've shared this with you before, 
God, Holy Spirit is alive in this world right now, big time. And I believe a lot of times the Holy Spirit moves on a person to say, and I don't know how God always does this, but it might be, you're not happy. I don't know what God does to people in the world, but there's a dissatisfaction that they experience waiting for us to come and say, hey, I know what satisfies. You see, it isn't in this world that will satisfy you. You are designed by God for a divine, eternal purpose. But if all we think about in this life is what I do temporarily will bring me a temporary satisfaction, I will never, ever be settled in my heart. I will never be at peace because deep down inside, you know you were designed for more. More of God's design, more of God's purpose. But if you leave God out of your life, here you have an eternal calling on your life that transcends the, the history of ages and into eternity. And, and, and we find ourselves being sidelined by things that really don't matter. Now, I think we've all done that. And I think we have to be very careful not to let that continue in our lives. But you can break out of that by simply letting God do things for you in your life. Cornelius calling out to God, a centurion, hated by the Jews, really hated by the whole Jewish religious system, but yet a lover of God, calls out to God, and God then begins to do supernatural things in his life and tells him where to go to get help. Again, how many people do we rub elbows with that the Holy Spirit's out there doing things in their life right now, and they're just waiting for you to walk up and say, hey, buddy, as a matter of fact, Jesus loves you, and they're overwhelmed. They go, this is what I've been looking for. That's the way God works. Again, we talked about this last week a little more in depth. When Jesus called Matthew Levi, one of the 12 apostles, to be a a disciple, he didn't come up to him and give him a a 990-page essay dialogue. Hey, Peter, this is why you really need to follow me. Think of the eternal benefits. Think Think of the retirement program. No, none of that. He looked at Peter, I think one of the shortest conversion prayers in the Bible, follow me. Matthew Levi drops his junk, all the probably pens and pencils and all the stuff they had to write with. Then as he sat at the receipt of customs and walked away, he didn't care about his 401k. He didn't care about his retirement. It sounds like when you read it, he didn't even care about his paycheck. He just dropped everything and followed Jesus. Friends, I I really believe that a lot of people out there, they don't need you to preach them a sermon. You just need to introduce them to Jesus. Well, this is what happened with, with Cornelius. He's crying out. He wants to know who God is. He wants to know more about who God is. And now God begins to speak to him in a special way and tells him where he can go to get help. I certainly pray that those people that are around each one of us, that God could direct them to us, that they would know that they can get help there, that we would not be shy to not share our faith, but rather in love, realizing that their eternity depends on what you tell them, that we could actually say, hey, listen, you can have your sins forgiven. They don't know that. They're trying to run from their past. By the way, you know, you have AA, you have all these different uh, things to stop drinking. I believe in a one-step program. Realize why you're drinking. 
If you realize that I'm trying to run from the sins I can't erase, if I realize that my past is haunting me, I really don't like me if I could just keep myself with a buzz on that I can then tolerate life. That shows the problem that I'm not right. And so then God in his love causes us to not only when we look in a mirror to see us, but we see in the mirror a person whom God is directly dealing with to bring us to where he wants us to be. So it says here, he lodged with Simon the Tanner, Peter was, whose name was, who, who's uh, by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel spoke to him, had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. By the way, that's important as we get a little bit farther in the story. He had two servants and a fellow soldier that he was sending to Simon Peter. And when he explained these things, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they went on their journey, they drew near the city. Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour, so about noontime. And he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And he saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound on four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. And in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creepy things, birds of the air. And a voice came to him saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord. I, I think you're really in trouble when you tell the Lord not so. Just let you know. When God tells you to do something, don't say, not so. That doesn't really carry really well. Peter looks at God and says, no. Now, Peter's an interesting person in the Bible. I think he's the original ready, aim, or maybe I should say ready, shoot, aim kind of guy. Um, he was a person that had to usually be told three times. Uh, remember, Jesus said before the cock crows twice, you'll deny you know me three times. Then Jesus catches up with him on the Sea of Galilee, asks him three times, Peter, do you love me? Now we're going to find how God had to show him three times on this sheet that's let down from heaven. Now, by the way, everything that was described in the sheet, picture a sheet picked up by four corners, kind of like they used to tie around and hobo would carry on a stick behind him. Well, Inside that sheet, you can just see sticking out of the out of the corners of the sheet where it's pulled up, you know, all kinds of animals with their heads sticking out, waving high. No, I don't know. But they were all there. Uh, they were gathered up together. And all of those creatures were, according to Levitical law, unclean. Now, uh, again, it was forbidden to eat those kinds of animals. And today, we even find people who have evidently not spend any time understanding what we're reading today. Also probably haven't spent any time reading the book of Galatians that were not under the law because eating a piece of bacon doesn't, doesn't make you a sinner. Maybe some of the things we eat are not maybe the best health choices for us. 
But it doesn't make you a sinner. Jesus said it's not what goes into a person's mouth that defiles him, but what comes out. And there, here he's saying that there's all kinds of things. And he says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter goes, not so, Lord. Notice what he says. Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And the voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Isn't that interesting? God says, I've cleansed this. It's no longer an issue. Now, I look at this and I say, well, then, God, why did you initiate these dietary laws in the first place? Well, we do know there's certain things about pork and other uh, creatures. Um, I love to eat crab. I I really do. I, I think it's really good. But, you know, the Bible calls it unclean. But when you stop to realize... The crab, as an example, is a bottom feeder. Everything that dies in the sea goes down to the bottom of the ocean, and that's where the crabs eat all this dead. God knows things about this stuff that I don't know. God just said to the Jews, don't eat it. I I do think there's probably some wisdom there. I'm not saying not to have crab, because if we had it across the hall right now, I'd go eat it. But that doesn't mean that it's always maybe the best for us. And, of course, pork was another thing that they weren't allowed to eat. And other there's other creatures as well. We don't go to heaven because we eat pork or don't eat pork. We go to heaven because Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. This is one of the problems I run into when I get into the Seventh-day Adventists or Jehovah's Witnesses or whatever that say that they keep the law. Well, they don't keep the law. They get together in a building on a Saturday. They say they keep the Sabbath. They don't. Getting in a building on on a Saturday is not keeping the Sabbath. Keeping the Sabbath was not allowing anybody to work. You couldn't allow, um, you couldn't make anybody work on the Sabbath. Your animals were to have a rest on the Sabbath. Uh, there was a lot, you couldn't travel so far from your house. You couldn't kindle a fire on the Sabbath. All these different rules and regulations. Well, they say, well, we, we keep the, the, the Sabbath according to uh, grace. I heard him say that to me once. And I go, no, you don't. You keep the you keep the the Sabbath according to your own interpretation. Eh, wrong answer. You don't do that. The Bible says if we err in one we we err in one area of the law, we err in all of it. You and me, we don't go to heaven because we worship on Sunday or Saturday or Friday, or because we eat pork or don't eat pork. We go to heaven because Jesus died on the cross for us. That's what the gospel is. Not by works of righteousness, Paul says, lest any man would boast, but we go to heaven because God paid it all for us. Our righteous requirements of the law are not found in you and me. It's found in Christ. His covering, his righteousness is what covered the requirements of the law. Always remember that. Because I run into people that once you're saved, now they're trying to get you to go back under the Jewish dietary laws or Sabbath keeping or all these other things. This is not 
why we go to heaven. We go to heaven again because Jesus died on the cross. So God says, what I have cleaned, don't you call unclean. This was done three times. Again, Peter and the three-time thing, I don't know. And the object was taken up into heaven again. Now when Peter wondered within himself what this vision, which things he had seen uh, meant, the men who had been sent from Cornelius' house had made the inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and they asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. Now, by the way, at this point, knowing the persecution that was against the early church, you have two guys outside with a Roman centurion with them, with a Roman guard with them. If I was, now where was Peter during this time? So he's up on the roof. You don't think he probably heard him down below talking, looks over the fence and sees the cops and he goes, oh no, they're coming for me. You know, I think that's really a possibility that could have experienced because here's why. Because when we understand that the disciples and many of them, uh, especially when the persecution came down so heavy in Jerusalem, they were dispersed. We remembered that that um, being arrested, uh, they were going to do to them what they did to Jesus. And so this was a, a real concern. But you know what I have often found? I misinterpret the data at hand. They weren't there to arrest Peter. They were there to bring him to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. I, once again, friends, I want to remind you all that a lot of times the devil will bugaboo you. Oh, look, they're there to arrest you. You better run. You better slip out the back, Jack. Make a new plan, Sam. I mean, do something. Just go. But rather, it wasn't that Peter was going to be arrested when he saw these men, probably two guys, Secret Service guys with a Roman centurion. Uh Uh-oh, we're in trouble now. But rather, to see what God is going to do and how he's going to use your life to benefit his kingdom. So it says that they were outside the gate. They called and asked for Peter. And while Peter thought about the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing for I have sent them. Boy, I'll tell you, being divinely directed by the Holy Spirit. Friends, I don't believe this is uh, an outside instance. I believe God, as the days go on, and I believe as persecution does come against the church, if the Lord tarries, I believe that we're seeing it now even more so than probably any other time in the history of the United States. But I think we're seeing it globally. Why is that? Because I believe that Jesus is coming soon. I believe the rapture of the church is soon. The Bible, Paul says, to comfort one another with these words concerning the rapture. If it wasn't a real event, why would you try to comfort one another with words of something that never was going to happen? Comfort one another with these words, he says. Well, I look at that and I realize that 
because we have a message of hope to the world, the devil doesn't want them to hear. Remember, the devil hates human beings. People have asked me, when was the fall of Lucifer? The Bible doesn't say for sure, but we do have some information. One of the things, when God created the heavens and the earth, it says he saw that it was good, that it was very good. He repeats it many times in the first couple of chapters of the book of Genesis that he saw that it was very good. I believe Lucifer fell from heaven after man was in the garden because I don't see how you could save the earth and God's creation was very good with a real devil in it. But we do know one thing that the angels, uh, the Bible says man was created a little lower than the angels. I don't think that bothered Lucifer or the rest of the angels. But then the Bible says those that love him will be elevated above the angels, called the bride of Christ. And 1 Corinthians 6 says, someday you will judge angels. I don't think that sat well with them. I I think that it's interesting, whatever it was, and it had to do with pride, according to Isaiah chapter 14, that pride entered Lucifer's heart. And the Bible says that a third of the stars fell with him. Whatever it was, this was so monumentous that a third of the angels joined in with Lucifer's rebellion. Isn't that there was going to be a creation made or eventually brought above the angels? Well, that certainly would be a good cause for pride. Well, the Bible tells us that because of that, I believe the devil hates human beings. I believe the demons hate human beings. Uh, I believe that that we're targeted by the underworld. And not just a person that's a Christian, but I believe all them people out there that aren't saved. I believe that, I think every time uh, the devil and his forces look at humankind, he just goes, destroy them all. You see people that are demon-possessed, they're not the better, better for it. We remember the guy Gadara uh, in this, uh, living in the cemetery, living in caves and cutting himself and had supernatural strength, able to break chains and was out of his mind and crazy and had to live out in the wilderness. God only knows what he was eating. And you think about this guy living out in the, in the, in the I, I, demonic work in a, in, a, in a human being's life is never good. It always destroys a person. They're not the better for it. They're the worse for it. All the way through the Bible, you see this. And I believe the devil will do whatever he's got to do to destroy humankind. When you look at what it tells us in Revelation, where it says that there's a war in heaven, uh, Michael and his angels fought, and the devil and his angels fought, speaking of the, the ones that were uh, no longer able. Some of the angels, the Bible say, are reserved in chain, bottom of the Euphrates River. But there's others that are of lesser sort of whatever. You have these disembodied spirits here on this earth that go around trying to possess people and all these different things. But the one thing we do know is that the Bible says when he comes down to earth, when he's cast out of heaven, he knows his time is short and he wreaks havoc on the world. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, unless those days were shortened, there'd be no flesh saved concerning the tribulation period. Because really, probably the tribulation period would have went a lot longer than seven years, but because God had to cut it short, there would be no flesh saved. In other words, man and the devil would have completely annihilated themselves. Well, that's what we're living with in a world today. Do you see that happening now? Do you see the saber rattling of 
Russia. And, and uh, Elon Musk said, don't get into a war with Russia. They'll wipe you out. I guess they have many more nuclear-tipped weapons than was ever disclosed. And, of course, they've never told the truth, just like most of the politicians don't. Uh, they don't tell you what's really going on. But when you look at the nuclear arsenal of the world, and then you look at countries like North Korea and uh, Iran uh, developing nuclear weapons, friends, we are in a different time than ever in the history of the world. And so I don't know how long we have. Now, the Bible says to occupy till I come. That means we want to continue to do as we always have done, but with an eye of realizing the days are evil, so redeem the time. You may not always be here. The Lord could come and take us home. Peter was directly told by God that there was going to be people come to his door, that they were seeking him, because there was a message that was inside Peter that God wanted the Gentiles to hear. Do you realize there's a message inside you as a Christian that God's placed in you for a lost and dying world that sees all the stuff going on, the nuclear threat and all these different things? They don't know what to do. See, these days will not come upon us if you're a real Christian, if you really know the Bible uh, as some kind of a fearful thing because the Bible says what's going to happen. The world right now, and if you're new here or listening on the radio and you're going, what is this guy talking about? The Bible says we're headed for a one world order. And in that one world order, there's going to be a one world currency. There's going to be a one world religion. There's going to be a one person directing the entire world who's really the Satan's puppet. And this is where we're all headed globally. People of the world, they don't know that. They don't understand what's going on. They don't see why and who is trying to collapse the United States by giving away everything for free. Do you realize this, this uh, college forgiveness money tuition stuff? That's your tax dollars. It's forbidden uh, in, in the United States to, to take tax money and benefit a particular person or a group of people. You can't do that. They're doing it anyway. They don't care about laws anymore. Look at our, look at the state of everything. We went 10 trillion more dollars in debt in the last two years than any other presidency in the history of America. How long can you tap your credit card before the bank calls and says, no more? That's where we're at, everyone. We need to be aware that there's going to be the great reset. Well, a reset isn't good. The reset is bad. And that bad thing that's going to happen is where the Antichrist, the new world order, takes over everything. My prayer and my hope is that God takes us out of here. But until he does, I believe we need to be the most noisy sunbeams because just as God summoned Peter for a message for Cornelius that didn't know what was going on, God has summoned you and me to a message of, in the world of what's going on because they don't know. And I'll guarantee you there's a lot more than three people standing at your gate wanting to know. You see, there's a lot of things going on. People don't know. And if you think people said, oh, since our fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they are. Really? 
This is the first time in the history of a world that a person can push a button and, and destroy the earth. Putin's threatening using limited nuclear bombs in the Ukraine. Great. So that means after you nuke it, no one's going to live there for 300 years. So what's the point in taking it? All of a sudden, logic goes out of everything. But let me tell you something. The devil has never been logical. If you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul, what does it profit you, the Bible says? The message that Peter had within him was precious. The message that God has with inside of you is precious for a lost and dying world. And so it says in verse 18, they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. Peter thought about the vision. The spirit said to him, behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. What reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house to hear words from you. And he invited them in and lodged with them. Oh, wow. So Peter now is living with a guy, staying with a guy, who deals with leather, a tanner, dead people, forbidden by Levitical law to be around anybody that deals with dead things. Now he invites the Gentiles to spend time with him under the same roof. Man, Peter is redlining everything concerning Levitical law. You didn't do that. It it was one thing to to do that. You'd say, well, I I really see how this is for you to come here, uh, but you you can't stay here the night. You're going to have to go down. We'll leave in the morning, go down to Motel 6. He didn't do that. He said, come in, stay here with us. Then he invited them in and lodged with them. And on the next day, Peter went away with them. And some of the brethren from Joppa uh, accompanied them. And the following day, they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and called together his relatives and close friends. And Peter was coming in. Cornelius met him, fell down his feet and worshiped him. This is what they did to Peter. Do you, do you know the Bible says that uh, you're blessed with those that bring the tidings of good news? <laughs> but the thing is, we're not to receive praise. Only God gets that. And so Peter lifted him up and saying, stand up. I myself am also a man. Well, Cornelius, again, was so overwhelmed because of the vision that this guy was somebody special that I want to give him great homage. Do you realize that you are special to God? And when you lead somebody to the Lord, do you realize throughout all of, all of heaven that that person will be in heaven because you spoke to that person about the gospel and explained to them how much Jesus loved them and that he paid their, for their sins on the cross? You stop to think about that for a minute. That, that's pretty neat. You're going to look across heaven and go, hey, he's here because I shared with him. And they're here because I shared with him. They're I don't want to get to heaven and say, well, you know, there's... Nobody up here because of me. 
No, the Bible says to lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. That's where you're supposed to lay your treasure up because it all goes away here. And, and the thing is, you're a heartbeat away from leaving it all anyway. And we don't think about that. So he says, as Peter was coming in, it says that he worshiped him and he said, I'm just like you are. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. I think this is funny. He, he, he goes and goes into this room, meets the guy, and here's a whole um, group of people already assembled waiting for him to come. And notice it says here, and we'll stop here for uh, the day. We'll finish up this next Sunday, Lord willing. Then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company or go with one of other nations. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Jesus died for everybody. I like that. And when you stop to think about that, God has a commission for you as well. Now, I I pray that God doesn't necessarily have to have an angel appear in your room and tell you to go do something. But the thing is, we already have God's word that has told us to go preach the gospel to every creature. Now, again, as I look at this, I realize divine opportunity. And I've shared this many times before. When you see something out of the ordinary, look for God. Because God deals, and I think that's one of the ways that God gets our attention. Whether the woman at the well, again, she's saying, how is it that you, being a Jew, talk to me, a Samaritan? We don't have dealings one with another. Even she recognized that was out of the ordinary. When you see something out of the ordinary, you go into a store, as an example, I've used this many times because this has happened to me. And I see somebody and I'm looking around, I'm I'm looking for some aspirin or whatever, and I look over and there's somebody in the corner over crying. Well, that's not something you see every day. You walk over and say, are you all right? "Uh, Yeah, I'm okay. Can I pray for you? You'd be surprised how many people respond. When you see something out of the ordinary, look for God. You know, uh, again, um, things out of the ordinary usually can cause us to become angry because it doesn't fit my daily routine. But it's the very thing that God's saying, no, this is where you need to be. I shared this before, but many years ago, I had a, a washing machine, finally got around to putting it in, um, cause I always took my stuff over to my mom and dad's house to wash. And, and so anyway, I finally put the washing machine in. It was brand new, but it was like three years old. Well, well out of warranty. Started up and the agitator inside sheared off the main shaft. And I, I, I couldn't believe it. It was out of, so I, I laid the machine over, I, got all the water out of it and laid it over. And I got to tell you, I did not have the victory. I was really upset. I remember saying something like, me, 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 why is it always me? I think something like that. I was having a really good professional pity party. And as it's laying there and I'm pulling it out and I'm mad and I'm angry and I took it out and I put it in the trunk of the car and I went to town because I didn't have a welder and I knew a guy that had a welder. And so I went over there and 
I said, hey, I, I, this thing twisted off. Can you weld it? He goes, yeah. And so anyway, we went back to his shop and he's welding it. And all of a sudden he just stops. He says, you're the pastor of the church out there, aren't you? And I said, yeah. And he just stops. He looks at me. He goes, my life's a wreck. He goes, my wife just left me. And, and I, I, I about broke my heart. Because I realized, I realized the reason this thing broke was to get me to him. Things out of the ordinary. That should not have happened. It was brand new. It had only been used two or three times and it shears off for no reason. And God says, oh, there's always a reason. Your life is not by accident. It's by divine appointment if you're a Christian. I want to encourage you this morning. Let God be God in your life. And when something happens you don't understand, just say, hmm, God, I wonder what you're going to do with this one. And you'll see. Letting God be God, it's really neat. Realizing the Holy Spirit is already working on those people out there. And all God wants to do is get you, like Peter, to Cornelius, so you can share with them what's going on. And by the way, it wasn't just Cornelius. He'd got all of his relatives and his friends all gathered together in the room. He goes out, meets Peter, says, come on in. He wa- Peter walks in and here's a Billy Graham crusade going on. And he's the evangelist. I look at that and I go, God, how awesome is it that you have these divine appointments to take ordinary into extraordinary, to take us out of our rut into something new every day. David, King David said his promises are new every morning. This morning, I just want to invite you, first of all, as a Christian, be sensitive to God. Let him speak to you. And sometimes God speaks to us through circumstances. And let him do that. And don't be angry when something doesn't fit, goes your way. God is working something out. The Holy Spirit's alive and well on the planet Earth. If you're not a Christian, you're not happy. I know you're not. And God wants to say, hey, I want to do something brand new in your life today. I want to take all the things that have gone on in your life and, and, and I'm going to make them so that it will benefit people throughout all of eternity because of what and where you've been and where I'm going to take you. This morning, if you're not a Christian, we're going to pray and you can ask God to come into your life. You can uh, confess that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and your sins and to give you a brand new life. And then if you are a Christian, I would just invite you today, if you've been distant from God, playing on the wrong side of the fence, maybe looking at those things that happened to you as God didn't love you and very much, in fact, was the very things that God was using to direct you. See, I I didn't think, God, you don't love me. This thing broke. God goes, sure, I love you. I got somebody you need to talk to. I go, couldn't you just told me to go see him rather than me having to tear the, 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 the washing machine apart? I believe God said, you wouldn't have listened. This way I did get your attention. Oh, I like that about God. God's got things bigger for you and me than we ever dreamed because he loves you.
You know, when you love somebody, you do things for them. God always wants to do something for you. If you're not a Christian here this morning, God wants to do something for you. So amazing. He wants to give you a reason to live for, a faith you can live by, and a person you can live with. You don't have to get loaded and stoned anymore. Let's pray if you need to come to Christ today. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name, and I invite you into my life today. I repent of the foolish way that I have lived to somehow define my life. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me and his blood covered my sins. And so from this day forward, I want to live in you. I believe Jesus rose from the dead. I want you to raise me from the dead. And Lord, Write my name in your book of life that I can spend eternity with you. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Empower me, God, to love the lost, to love you more, and to give me boldness to speak your love. And thank you, God, for all you've done and all you will do in Jesus' name. Amen.